0: This is AutoLine This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine This Week has been provided by RSM.
1: Prepare for challenges specific to your business. By working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax, and consulting for the middle
2: market.
0: And now, here's your host, John McElroy.
2: I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Today's topic, the fleet market. What's the fleet market, you ask? Well, you're going to learn, because we got a couple of experts to talk about it, including Ed Pieper. He's the US Vice President of Fleet at General Motors. Mark Bazell is the Director of US and Canadian Fleet Operations at the Ford Motor Company. And Mike Elias has nothing to do with fleet, <laughs> but he's with The Wall Street Journal, and he's here to help me ask questions. So thank you all for joining us on the set today. Uh, I'll throw this out. Ed, why don't we just start with you, and Mark, you can join in, too. Fleet don't get no respect. <laughs> I mean, anytime I talk to analysts about sales or stuff, they go, oh, yeah, but those are fleet sales. It's always been talked about disparagingly. That seems to be changing these days. Just to set the table, so to speak, talk a little. How big is the fleet market? What, you know, there's retail sales that people walk into showrooms and buy and all that, you know, people like all of us. But then there's fleet operators who buy bunches of vehicles at the same time. So tell us a little bit about the, the segment. The segment itself for
1: uh, this year, we think the fleet market's gonna come in about 3.7 million units. And uh, it is a strong and vibrant market. It's actually, the fleet market's growing faster than retail. Retail's down slightly. Fleet market will probably up, be up 5 to 7% for the, uh, for the year. Um, It's an incredible business, and I think a lot of people make mistakes when they equate just rental to
2: fleet, and they... they, You mean daily rental companies, Hertz, Avis, Enterprise? Which is a
1: a huge part of the business, probably over 60 to 65% of the business any any given month, but they forget about the commercial and government business that's done, and uh, this is...
2: Commercial being like contractors... You know, lawn service people,
1: anybody with a business. It's really, we define commercials as anybody who buys more than five units at a time. So it's a lot of different small, medium, and, and large businesses. But it's a fascinating business. It's a fun business. In fact, I think it's even more fun than retail, frankly.
2: Yeah.
3: Mark, so, anything to add I to I, I agree. I'm, I'm fairly new to the fleet world, taking over this job in January. And everybody at Ford Motor Company wants to talk about fleet. And as Ed, Ed said... I mean, the commercial business, it's booming. There's so many changes in the industry that are, that are creating growth. Um, you know, we, we need to build out infrastructure. Um, e-commerce is changing, you know, what we're doing with delivery vans. Uh, retail e-commerce has now grown to 15% of all retail. So as you can imagine, companies need vans to deliver these, and then we're looking at two-day deliveries, same-day deliveries, so that's really driven a lot of the growth, so that's, that's been a really strong part of our commercial growth. And, and to Ed's point, rental is still a very important part of the business. It gives us an opportunity for customers to experience our vehicles and see all the great new driver assist technology and the things that we have put into our vehicles. So we, we all manage the rental business very carefully, and if you manage it to the volumes that make sense to retain residual values, it can actually be very valuable for, for the OEMs and for consumers to experience our products.
0: Yeah, maybe talk a little bit more about rental. Because I think what John's referring to in this dismissiveness around fleet is that it was always thought of as as rental rental's bad. And that comes from the days where you guys used to, you know, dump rental cars into into fleets and, and they weren't very profitable, you might lose money on them. But you guys have really I mean when I go to a rental lot now, it's a lot of Asian brands, I feel like, and you guys still have a presence. But how do you how do you strike that balance between you know, too much rental bad, and, but it couldn't be a really good part of the business. Well, I go back to
1: 2014 and, and that period of time, our rental business was 64% of our fleet business at GM um, and commercial and government was only 36%. We've gone down well over 120,000 sales in the last four years to become much more balanced than last year. That was deliberate. That was absolutely deliberate. Mm -hmm. We now have a mix where our commercial and government sales are 51% of our business. The rental business is now 49% of the business. And so um, I think there's a lot of good things have happened because when customers come in and they want to rent your vehicles, it's an opportunity for them to Mm -hmm. test drive your product. So it's really, really great. When you do too much rental, and there's a flood of vehicles coming back into the used car market competing with other new vehicles, that's not a good thing. And I think Ford has been very disciplined, and we've been extremely disciplined, and Toyota, probably the three best in the, in the industry. There's a few of our competitors, though, when you look at, we look at a, a, a percent of rental sales as a percent of total sales as an indicator, there's some of our competitors, when you go north of 20% in that category, some are even up close to 30%. That is not healthy for your brands uh, and your company long term. Yes. So, so so, we've managed it the same way. And I would say rentals about
3: 39% of our total fleet business and 10 to 11% of our total sales. But another trend we're seeing is longer term rentals. So for example, yeah. you know, package delivery or, or, or people using vehicles for jobs are doing longer term rentals because they don't want to have all these vehicles when things get slow. So we are seeing companies rent vehicles, even to the daily rental co- companies on a longer-term basis to do jobs and, and you know,
2: have work for seasonality. Now, explain that, because uh, in in the past, that's the knowledge I have, the daily rentals would turn over a car six to eight months. They'd run them up to about 30,000 miles and, and get— get them on the auction lane selling them as used cars because they didn't want to put in new brakes and shocks or tires or pads or whatever. So when you say longer term... When I say what you
3: longer term, it's really, you know, instead of, you know, by the day or the week, it might be three to six months. They're, they're still, they still all manage their fleets. So they'll keep them anywhere from 12 to 18 months. And They'll have different strategies, so depending on the brand of the rental car company, the newest ones will be one brand. As they get a little bit older, they move them to a different, more discount brand. So it's really, it's really a pretty fascinating business, and once again, rental is not a dirty, dirty word. Our rental car partners are great partners, and, and once again, if you manage it properly, I, I would say that both Ed and I, we could sell more vehicles to the rental car companies. There is demand. But we're trying to manage it because of residual values and the things that had talked about.
0: I've seen F 150, you guys have gotten more aggressive, it seems like, in rental. Is that an opportunity when you, you think about like the, the weekend warrior who's going out and needs to you know, carry lumber back from, from Lowe's? It seems like I'm seeing a lot of more of this. Rent, rent a pickup for three hours. I mean, is that, is that part of yeah. why we're seeing those so, numbers? So part of it's the
3: shift from consumers shifting from cars to trucks and SUVs. So it makes sense that as consumers are are preferring to drive SUVs and trucks that that's what they prefer to drive on the weekends. And so some of it's, um, some of it's vacation use or, or they want to you know, experience a truck or an SUV for the weekend. Some of it is that they're being rented for, for, for work, for, uh, for jobs so that they can scale up for that. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of both.
2: What's the hot part in commercial right now? I've been watching sales of vans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mark, you, t- you touched on this, the whole e-commerce thing. Is driving a lot but I've been astonished at how strong sales of vans I'm not talking passenger minivans I'm talking commercial vans.
3: Yeah so I'll start with that and I think package delivery is growing a lot of that as a matter of fact with October sales we just had the best van sales month in our history coming off our best third quarter in our history and you know once again I think a lot of that's because so much you know you can't go into a condo building or in front of someone's house without seeing package deliveries out there so that's really what's driving a lot of the demand but then there's a lot of other businesses that, you know, whether it's a local plumber, the florist, whatever that's driving demand um, for the vans. So.
1: And we've seen unprecedented demand for our vehicles, Express in Savannah. Uh, we're gonna really try to add a lot of production for next calendar year because the demand has been incredible. Uh, just, uh, you know, whether it's construction or whether it's, you know, delivery like, like Mark mentioned,
2: now, one, one thing that I had heard, too, is with uh, the, the most recent tax changes, that you can depreciate right off the van in, in one year's time. Well, that's really been, that's, it's been the case that uh, particularly a lot of, there's been a
1: misnomer that, that the end of the year is the only time you can take you know, advantage of the, of the tax advantage to, to buy commercial vehicles. That's really not true. You can do that right. the entire year. Right.
2: But even so, I'll bet you December sales are fantastic.
1: But I would say it's not just vans and in, in commercial, too. I, I, you, you obviously, pickup trucks is a massive part of, mm-hmm. of the business. But we're finding, too, that a lot of the other segments, we're selling a lot more small utilities, mid midsize cars, mid size utilities, than we ever have before to, to fleets out there as well. So it's not what used to be, I think, just pickups and vans mm-hmm. is expanded into a lot of other categories as well. But then there's, there's other things, changes in, in the fleet industry. So, for
3: example, driver safety, driver ergonomics, and comfort. I mean, I think when you look at it, there's so many driver assist technologies that all of us are building into our vehicles. And, you know, what's really important to fleets is uptime, keeping these vehicles on the road. If they're in accidents, you're unable to do work. So, the driver assist technologies, um, you know, our new van, the new Transit, is coming out with all wheel drive, which is going to help it in performance. And then there's the whole connected vehicle world where you know, we have things, um, smart vehicles for a smart world, where where we can actually help fleet managers um, have their drivers run more efficient routes, get better fuel economy. Um, we've got tools with with modems in all our vehicles now, where we can actually do driver coaching to help them drive safer and more fuel efficiently and, and get to their routes quicker. So, these things are driving demand too, because the more efficient the fleet managers are with the vehicles and service the more money they make, quite honestly, and, and we, you, we can help them do that.
0: Are your commercial customers more apt than in the retail world to to go with those safety, um, you know, advanced safety features? Because Cost of ownership's a big deal, right? And those, you know, you tack on a few thousand dollars for a package like that, but maybe they like to your point, they're gonna get in fewer accidents, maybe their insurance rates go down, so how do they weigh that?
1: It, it is, I think when you, obviously, total cost of ownership is extremely important to customers, but I would say safety is right there as well. And that's something that when it comes to spending money to get more safety features, and it's proven that when you have automatic emergency braking and some right. of these other safety features, that your your crashes, your accidents, all of them come down dramatically. There's been a lot of studies done by U of M and, University of Michigan and other other places that would would verify that. So, uh, it's it's important,
0: mm-hmm. very important to them. Absolutely. safety. Yes, a similar question on electrics. I'm just wondering how much pull there is from your customer. I mean, are they, are they asking for for electric? I mean, you guys don't have electric trucks on the on the market yet. You both talk. Both companies have talked about it, but do you feel like that's something that they're looking for because cost of ownership? I mean, they've got to kind of do the math on that to make to figure yeah, out if it works. I, what
1: I'm seeing is it, it's a rather nascent market right now. I mean, in in the fleet market right now, it's it's kind of us and Tesla that have battery-powered only vehicles, and you know we we haven't delivered a lot of bolts, but we're number one in the in the marketplace in, in fleet with a 66 share in, in government, 37 share in, of the fleet market. But we do see interest growing and growing and growing. And I think it's probably happening first in the government space that, you know, whether it's New York City with the mandates that they have coming through or Los Angeles or the state of Washington or, or whatever, but we're also starting to see some other markets develop like pharm- pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for some young employees that are hired or new hires at pharmaceutical companies. To give them a perk of driving a bolt is a big deal to them. And so we're, we're starting to see the, the interest growing, and that's why we think, you know, the market longer term is going to go to electric, no yeah, question. Yeah,
3: we, we, we think electrification is very important, and a lot of our customers are are, are telling us that they, they want this for a lot of different reasons, and that's why we're investing $11 billion in electrification through 2022 and I think the best example we have is we just launched our new police interceptor vehicle out of our Chicago assembly plant, and it comes with a standard hybrid engine. And, you know, we did 12 national police ride-and-drives around the country, and the police officers kind of come in with hybrid. They're, they're, they're not quite sure, but then they drive the vehicle. It's got tremendous performance, over 300 horsepower, and, and, and the fuel savings at 24 miles per gallon. And think about the average police cruiser. We know from knowing our customers very well that it idles about 60% of the time. So it's running on the battery, it's saving wear and mechanical. So with the telematics also, we give a two year free subscription to that, police departments can literally see the amount that they're saving on on fuel economy and and the performance is tremendous. So I think there's a big demand. That's why we're we're investing there. But I guess at the end of the day, the proof's gonna be in the pudding. How quickly that these adapt, but I I think I think that they hold a great future. Mark's
1: exactly right, though. When you look at the uh, lower cost of, of maintenance, and particularly you know police departments in various cities, and the amount of idle time that they have, you know six to eight hours on a shift, and the savings that can be generated with an electric vehicle, it's enormous. I mean, it is enormous. And and again, your vehicles are going to run better. There's less parts to change out. Um, it's a it's a great i think for for the use cases particularly police in in the in the major cities it's a it's a
2: absolutely great product well, well mike nailed it i mean total cost of ownership that's what fleets look like yes. and they're not afraid to spend more money up front on a vehicle if they know over its useful life for them it's going to be cheaper overall i i would think because there's no tune-ups you know oil changes uh, radiator flushes, anything like that with electric vehicles, and because of regenerative braking, your brake pads last a lot longer. I would think fleets would be all over again. Sometimes you have fixed routes, and that's, you know, that makes. The well, that's categories. where
1: it makes great, really great sense is if, let's say, if someone's you know, going to drive up 100 miles a day, 125 miles a day, and the vehicles are going to be returned to the same spot every night, that use case is perfect for electric. Right. And, and, and the
3: beautiful thing is with the telematics that, that we're putting in our vehicles through Ford Commercial Solu- Solutions, fleet managers can monitor this stuff base, you know, virtually by the minute or by the day to help with coaching. And, and um, you, know, with, you know, next year with, with connected modems in all our vehicles, we'll be able to do over-the-air service updates sometimes when the customer doesn't even know it. So think about the time that will be saved there where they don't have to bring it into a dealership or, you know, you know we'll, we'll be doing things like mobile service uh, for, our, for our fleet customers. But when you can do things like that over the air, that's going to be a tremendous saver for time and money for our fleet accounts.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's a really good example of how that telematics, data analytics, I mean, are they trying to figure out which, which of their drivers are speeding? You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah, there's a, a million it's, different it's, ways they can use that stuff. Well, we,
1: of course, have, have had OnStar for 23 years now, and, and we think with the built-in hardware and the information that can be derived from that hardware, it's, it's really important. But we... Uh, we see uh, customers needing information about the drivers as it pertains to, you know, harsh braking, speeding, where are they stopped? Are they stopped at some place for an hour when they should be running their routes and being more efficient? And I think Mark mentioned it earlier. There are things like in-cab alerts now that can coach drivers to, to drive better, stop the harsh braking and the, 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 you know, the strong acceleration, everything else. Yeah. So um, there's, there's a lot, there, yeah. a it's lot a gra-
3: there. It's a great coaching tool to use the police as an example. Again, we know that one of the biggest causes of you know, for injury or death for police officers is a lot of them don't wear their seat belts. And with the tools that we have in the vehicles now, they can monitor that. <coughs> And we've seen one particular police department that's seen their seatbelt usage rise dramatically because they can coach the officers.
2: So that's, that's tremendous. Let's go back to uh, daily rentals for the moment. I'm, I'm intrigued by how you're managing the, the fleets to protect residual values and all. One of the problems uh, in the bad old days was that the fleets, uh, the, the daily rental fleets, would spec out cars as cheap as they could get. I mean, it was almost like they had linoleum floor mats and crank windows. And and so, to, you know, you mentioned earlier, Mark, that this is a way to let people experience your car. Maybe they've never been in it before, but if they get in and it's just el cheapo, they get a bad image. How much are you dictating to the daily rentals how they can spec their vehicles? Yeah. I wouldn't say
3: we dictate it, but we, we work with them on it. So there's a lot of healthy conversation, and the reality is they're concerned with residual values also, so they want the vehicles equipped in a way that they're gonna hold their values, so it's a real collaborative effort, and um, you know, and that's that's one of the ways that we've changed the way we do business, which I'm sure you guys have done. The same.
1: We're, yeah, exactly the same. Uh, when it comes to ordering vehicles at the rental companies, they do order specs that are very, very similar to retail now. These are not, you know, decontented vehicles that, that aren't really representative of the brands that we're, we're selling out there. And uh, it's, uh, it's a whole new business. And it's, as we've done less volume, uh, we've also seen the business be much more profitable. And I think that the rental companies themselves are great business people, but um, their demand for our products has increased dramatically too. So it's
0: become a much healthier situation for both of us. I feel like we, Need to at least talk about pickup trucks a little bit here. Um, I'm wondering what the difference is between the retail buyer and the commercial buyer in terms of what they're interested in and what you guys have tried to bake into the product um, with, with each in mind. I mean, how do, how do they go about picking what truck works for them? I think it's, it's
1: very much, if you look at the heavy duty segment, it's you know, 90% of the heavy duty customers are towing, so towing's a big part of it. I think the capability of your, your bed is, is obviously very, very important. Your torque and your ability to, you know, to, to carry uh, heavy loads and to do a lot of work, I think, is extremely important as well. And I, and I also think it is important, uh, the interiors of the vehicle, mm-hmm. that they're much quieter now than they've ever been before. And I think that there, there are more customer creature comforts being uh, added to trucks than maybe ever before. But uh, I think it's primarily, I see it in, in, in towing uh, and, in, and in the capability of the truck in terms of torque. Yeah,
3: and, and, and you want to know your customers. That's why we have a truck for every customer. So, you know, a Raptor for the real enthusiast or, you know, but, but all the customers, the commercial and personal use, once again, things like safety are very important. So to have things like emergency automatic braking, to have connected vehicles with modems where they can seamlessly go with, from their mobile phones, whether it be, you know, a work truck during the week or something that they're taking to the lake on the weekend, um, you know, most of these trucks now they, they they ride incredibly well, maybe like a luxury car rode several years ago. So so these things are both important. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to the commercial buyer, it's about getting the job done. It's about having a quality, reliable truck that, that has the performance to, to do what, what's needed to ask. And then you know, you know, another key for the truck buyer is working with our outfitters. You know, these these are the partners that we both work with and have great relationships and they're the experts that can put a box on something or, or, you know, configure it for that certain application. So, so we, work, we try to work very closely upstream with our upfitters up so that they can help tailor the truck after we build it to meet specific commercial needs.
2: You know, I think the, the market may be even moving more towards fleet side because as we move into a world of mobility services, ride hering, sh- sharing, ride hailing, and, the like, ultimately being autonomous... I believe fleets are going to be operating those. Does that factor into any of your future planning? It
1: sure does. I, I think the first move is to electric, and I think the adoption of a, electric is going to be an EV is going to be really important. That's a great first step to get customers to try, and then I think from there it'll it'll move to autonomous. But yes, it's 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 uh, for us. It drives the vision we have at GM going forward, and. We see a day, someday in the future, where a vehicle is going to be driven without a steering wheel, without pedals, and it's going to go wherever you need it to go, so um, it it is going to happen. How quickly it happens, that'll be debated by a lot of folks, but it is going to happen one day. I said before the
3: show that we're not going to predict how many because everyone's got their opinion on that. you know, one of the things we're working for, working towards, is having a purpose-built vehicle that's used in commercial applications in 2021. So that's autonomous. That's autonomous, correct? And then we see it in a commercial application, um, in in probably you know, unlimited area. Right now, we're running pilots with our um, down in Miami. We're running pilots in Washington D.C., and we'll continue to expand those. And one of the things that's important for us to learn in these pilots is not just how the vehicle performs but really what the customers expect. And, and we're learning a lot of things from what the customer wants so that we can design that into how we ultimately go to market. So it's coming. We're, we're all investing in it, and it's, it's pretty exciting, the things that you can see, but, you know, how quickly they'll be adapted. There, there's a lot of things. There's legislation. There's insurance. Um, you know, cities um, have to be ready for this. So, so, you know, who knows how quick, but we're, we're working towards there, and, and we're going to make progress to get there by 2021.
0: What kind of vibes are you uh, getting from your commercial customers right now just in terms of uh, the economy, their confidence? Are they peeking around the corner at, uh, you know, for a recession like a lot of people are, or do they feel like it's uh, all systems go?
1: I think they're feeling it's gonna be really solid. I think this year's gonna come in, in our opinion, somewhere around 17.6 million units, the fleet market being 3.7 million units. And we think it's gonna be another strong year next year as well. Is it gonna be as strong as this year? I'm not sure, but it's gonna be another strong year. So we're not hearing that customers are, are backing off or don't wanna order or they're waiting or have a wait and see, I, I don't see that at all. I, I think, you know, I'm sure Mark's orders, our orders have been really solid and, and uh I don't. I don't see people backing off at all.
0: Historically, yeah. has commercial and government been sort of uh, held up better in an econ- economic slowdown than than on the retail side? Is that a sort of an insulating? It,
1: it is. It has held up better uh, than retail because the customers need these vehicles yep. for what they do every day, sure. and uh, it, it's a fleet overall. It's it's a very it's a very rational business. I mean, yes. if if a customer is going to buy a thousand of something and they look at the total cost of ownership. Uh, it's, it's important. But then compared to retail, it's a very emotional experience. And so, um, you know, we, we don't see it backing off. And we think both commercial and government, uh, those segments are going to be very, very resilient here going forward.
3: Yeah, we agree. We're calling the end of the year the same way that General Motors and, and Ed are. And then as we look into next year, we think it's going to be relatively similar. It might be down a little bit. And, and actually, we're forecasting rental to be down just a little bit next year. But you know, we're, we're hearing really good things from our customers and orders are very strong. And, you know, from a Ford standpoint, you know, we're going to have our freshest commercial lineup. We've virtually refreshed every product, starting with Transit Connect a year ago and with the new Transit we have coming out later this year and a new medium duty truck, a new Super Duty, new Econ So, you know, customers, because they want to lower total cost of ownership, because they care about the safety features, connect the vehicles, the services they can have it offer, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of interest because of the new things that we're
1: bringing to the table and certainly our competitors are bringing to the table also. And we have all new pickups right now in the marketplace and we've got through our light duty launch and we're into our heavy duty launch now and, and customers love these trucks. And so...
2: Yeah, we. I, I think the market's going to be very strong for fleet next year. Okay, we're down to the very end. We really need a quick answer. Do you see any other fleet? I mean, you talked all about the vans, the trucks, the heavies, the lights, the blah blah. blah. Anything else? Should you guys be into electric scooters or something? <laughs>
1: Well, there are some customers that we have right now looking at our electric
2: bikes. No kidding. And Mark, you you guys uh, too?
3: Actually, we've got spin scooters. It's part of our mobility services. And I think, you know, as package delivery goes from two days to one days and and more people have warehouses, that last mile delivery. Um, We are looking at at, at different modes of transportation and city planning and all sorts of things. So there's so much more we could talk about, but I guess we're out of time. We are
2: out of time. We're going to have to cut it off. But thanks so much for coming in. Very interesting to see fleet that's a, that's a hot place to be in the market right now. Anyway, Ed Pieper, Mark Brazell, Mike Kalias, thanks you guys for coming on. Thank you, pleasure. pleasure.
0: Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by RSM.
1: challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities experience the power of being understood rsm audit tax and consulting for the middle market